I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. My daughter, Aoife, is learning quickly one of the most basic components of the human work ethic. Before she even turned six back in January, she was already discovering that doing something she is asked to do or responding to a request that requires immediate action can and should carry with it some kind of reward for a quick response and good behavior. All of us parents allow ourselves, I think, to fall into this trap before we even realize we're falling into it. We ask a child to eat their broccoli during dinner And we follow up that request by telling them that if they're willing to do so, they will get a treat when they're finished. Or when it gets close to bedtime, we tell our children that if they go and put their pajamas on quickly and brush their teeth, they will be allowed to stay up a little later or read an extra bedtime story before we turn off the lights. I did the same thing with my two older daughters when they were growing up as well. And because I did that, it didn't take very long before that special treat of a bowl of ice cream or that extra time to watch television became the request for a fair wage allowance to be earned for cleaning up their room or taking out the garbage. Of course, we as adults do this because we ourselves expect the very same thing in our own lives. And we were taught that by our parents and by our grandparents before them. We expect that when you finish school from kindergarten up through college and graduate school, you should get a diploma. And when we work, we certainly expect to get paid appropriately and fairly. Even if we do something freely out of the kindness of our hearts, we still tend to at least expect to receive a thank you, whether we want to admit that or not. No matter what we are involved in as mature human beings, we always look for what our actions will ultimately bring about for our own lives and for those we care about and for our community. And because of this, we just innately know that it is important to weigh the costs and the values and benefits of everything that we take on or agree to do or get involved with. Because when it comes right down to it, time, energy, and our own know-how is important. And nobody wants to waste all of that for something that isn't meaningful or rewarding or somehow beneficial. And as much as I hate to say it, this very innate human understanding of costs weighed against benefits might just be something that sometimes makes the actions required for our lives of faith and spirituality harder and harder to understand in our lives and in our faith in this modern life and culture. Our grandparents may not have seen it that way, but for our smart, techno-savvy, highly physical and materially driven children, it's something that makes church, I think, less and less important for all the time and energy that they're trying to work out. Now, all of you are here this morning, so therefore you're gonna get extra points. But really, I have to say, even if you are here this morning, haven't we all found ourselves occasionally struggling more than we probably want to admit with what we do on our Sunday morning? 
Let's just say that you have had a hard week of work that's carried over perhaps into your Saturday. Or maybe you've had family arrive unannounced that have visited you throughout the week or into the weekend. Or maybe you had a birthday party to take your child to or a special event that you just had no choice in whether you would attend or not on a Saturday evening. Sunday morning comes around and yes, you know that you should get up and go to church, but you also know that there are dozens of other things that you could make good use of for your morning. You could go out for an early trip to the beach, or you could maybe finally make it onto the golf course you've thought about all week long, or maybe you could just sleep in. And I'll be honest with you, that sleep in part is something that comes into my brain every single Sunday morning. We do this because we know how important it is to weigh out costs and benefits. Going to the beach, sitting in the sun, enjoying the great outdoors, the benefits of that come about so easily for us to see instantly. The same goes for playing a round or two of golf on the course or spending a little time working out in your yard or just sleeping for that extra hour or two. The rewards we receive on those Sunday mornings are just simpler for us to nail down. They come with an instant feeling of relief and gratification, an immediate physical, maybe even mental and emotional payout. You make the investment and you at least can identify the gains right then and there. Compare all of that with sitting in the church for an hour or so and it's no wonder why the competition seems to get harder and harder for the spiritual life in this very materially based cost versus benefits society. But this morning, brothers and sisters, the Bible, I thoroughly believe, is out to once again remind us of something that we must be willing to add in to those important weighing scales of life. Something that whether we want to accept it or not might not only be essential for our lives today, but could also be absolutely critical for what we are facing right now in this harsh and struggling world. To begin with, we have a reading from the wonderful book of Proverbs in the Old Testament this morning. The writer of Proverbs is addressing wisdom, that amazing, important gift that God gives us that is deeper than simply intelligence or good knowledge. For it is wisdom that can shape us and can lead us and that has the potential to provide us with guideposts and road markers that not only identify the road that we're on, but also tell us which way to turn to get to that place that we're really seeking for. Proverbs 9 verses 1 through 6 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has also set her table. She calls from the highest places. You that are simple, turn here. To those without sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. The text is proclaiming that the way of wisdom, which is the way of God, captured here in this wonderful image of an open house prepared in a city with a table set with rich bread and mixed wine. That is the way for which we move into true maturity, a way to live and walk in the way that guides us to inside. This is not to say that the simpler things that we do in life 
are not rewarding and are not meaningful because they are. But there is something that is greater and deeper and more revealing in wisdom. And the cost to receive it is simply to respond to wisdom's call, to answer this free invitation to come and sit and give time for that table and that banquet. For that easy response, the payout becomes truly incredible. Nothing less than that roadmap to the one thing we human beings are always looking for and never seem to find. And if we move from that book of Proverbs to our continuation of the deep and insightful chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, which we've been covering for the last four weeks, Jesus himself is here to elucidate once and for all what exactly this wisdom God invites us to eat is really all about in the long run and in the now. And it's amazing to pay attention to how the reading from Proverbs fits so perfectly with these seven verses from John 6. Remember, in the prologue of John's great gospel, Jesus is first introduced to us as the Word of God, and the Word is made flesh and dwells among us. The Greek text literally means that the Word becomes flesh and then pitches its tent or builds its house in the midst of humanity. It's so easy to connect that gospel text with wisdom herself building that house in the city in order to set up a banquet table and to invite all in to eat bread and to drink wine. In the gospel, Jesus, who is this new embodiment of wisdom, is living that proverb out for the world in that moment. He's inviting all to come and to have a new drink and a new bread to eat. Jesus says this morning, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, to take that idea of bread and to move it into flesh is a statement that carries with it uh, a whole lot of uh, radical idea and theology. Jesus is moving from bread and wine to something that is flesh and blood, a divine embodiment in this new form. It's radical for the Jews who would have been listening to it for the first time, who themselves would have heard it with ears that knew it was against God's law to take in flesh and blood together. It would have been radical for the disciples and followers of Jesus who would have been trying to understand it themselves. And 2,000 years later, it is still something that's radical for you and for me in the church today. And when the Jewish authorities question Jesus, when they want to know about this direction of this great rabbi to eat his own flesh and drink his own blood, Jesus doesn't take a step back and try to turn it into metaphor. No, Jesus hangs on to it. He goes even further in to add emphasis to what he's saying. In the next verses, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. 
Now, the Greek word for eat Jesus is using here in this second part of the text isn't simply the regular Greek word normally used when human beings sit at table and eat together. Jesus instead employs a Greek word that's more often used in Holy Scripture to describe the way animals eat. Jesus uses the word trogo in the Greek text, which literally means to gnaw on and to chew. Jesus wants us to take our time and to gnaw on the flesh of the Son of Man in order that we consume every single part of it, every nutrient. So that as Jesus says, he can have the opportunity to fully abide in us and we have the opportunity to fully abide in him. Nothing short of becoming for ourselves what Jesus is already. And as hard as it is to listen and discuss the eating of flesh and drinking of blood, we already know that we are what we eat and we become that which we are willing to consume. And that, brothers and sisters, really is what the payout, the benefit of the spiritual life for which we give our time and energy to engage in is all about. Not just coming in on Sunday mornings, but finding a way to work it into every part of our lives. The wisdom of God that reshapes everything we engage with in this wild and frightening world begins at that point and grows within us as we become it. Yes, there is easier ways, that which we might want to refer to as the junk food of life and of the soul. Of course, not all of it is junk food when it comes to our minds and bodies. But just like all physical and mental food sources, nothing we can ever seem to take in lasts. And we never get enough of it, even when we try over and over again. We may feel that instant gratification, but that gratification only lasts for a short amount of time. The cost and benefits, I believe, and the church has proclaimed for over 2,000 years, they never measure up when compared to the eternal life and the defeat of death that Jesus Christ and his body and blood is there to provide us with. As the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Ephesus this morning, and really to our church right here and now in this pandemic world of division and fear, be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we like a fast return on all of our investments, a quick turnaround for time spent and work well delivered. But for our spiritual lives, for our relationship with God and what that relationship promises in the face of sickness and death and struggle in this physical world, the benefits that are offered for taking time out to offer and answer wisdom's call and to come to the table to receive the body and blood of Jesus far outweigh any costs of our time and energy in this physical world. So let us be filled with the Spirit. Let us come to this altar and receive true food and true drink for our souls. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Amen.